All right, microphone check. One, two. Live in full effect. Another Thursday. That means we're back at it. We're running. Running with war. You can see you up top. Josh getting his kinks straightened out. Chris ready and not, ready. Not and, showing uh, his kinks. Yeah, he's not showing his kinks. He got the he capped up. No cap on the cap. Mm-hmm. Drew is just letting it all hang out as usual. <laughs> old school, man. What, what are um? I'm trying to think who had that haircut. That shit was mid '90s fire. Nah, like, he, he looked like kid in the third house pl- house party. Okay, movie. <laughs> that's what he looked like kid in the third house party. Josh trying to be kid in the first. Look at Josh right now, man. <laughs> and me, I'm just happy to be nappy. Because <laughs> you got sand I'm gonna, these spurs. <laughs> I'm gonna do. That's me. I I'm gonna I'm do. I'm gonna do my revolutionary look because you know the Fred Hampton movie about to come out. Whoa, man! Oh, I wish a, we could talk about that. But we could we talk about it on other shows. <laughs> you know, we feel we we gonna talk. We gonna do some stuff on it, but uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going definitely uh that is that's coming out on the twelfth. So it's definitely uh, looking forward to that. But uh yeah, it's Black History Month, so I don't know. We we always you know always keep you know, we 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 making black history all year round, you know, every year. So, you know, it's always how we do. So we always in that state of mind. But Drew, I see you put up some nice little uh you know, uh, unknown. You know, un not necessarily unknown, but uh, underrated Black History figures on your IG and stuff like that. Man, that's a good look. Yeah, just you know, learning and and trying to trying to help others, man. You know, a lot of times we get um, bombarded with the same figures over and over again. And while it's it's, it's good to know about the guys and 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 ladies who are at the forefront. You know, it's other people in there, in there too, man. Other people that have contributed to where we are as a, a country and society as well. So, just trying to spread it. Just trying to spread All right. it. And and you know, we talk about this is a basketball show, so we we're in a space where black brilliance is you know never is always at the forefront. And you know, we gotta definitely uh, definitely uh, give it up to the brothers who have for, put. You know, put the forefront. Uh, you know, pave the way for us, I should say, in both on the court and off the court. And uh, yeah, just uh, like I said, just give it up, man. Keep that, keep that mind state of Black history and Black appreciation for every month. You know, every all uh, three sixty five. Now, I, 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 I would, I like you know, as far as underrated or understated Black history, uh, you know, facts go. I would love to know who was the first brother in the league who who felt empowered to cuss out a white lady at uh, uh, you know at at on the court because you know for during a while <laughs> during the game because you know in the early days you know even 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 a thorough dude like Bill Russell couldn't have done that it couldn't have been that early and you had you know you had some brother you had some brothers who had to deal with stuff. 
just just take it on the chin through those first couple of decades. I'm I'm thinking it may have been like maybe the late seventies or something, back when the white folks was like, when the, the white folks was, was starting to see how wild the brothers was getting coming from the from the ABA and stuff, and the brothers was getting the big throws and everything, and you had you had some wild dudes coming from over there, and I think. I, Somebody like a Bad News Barnes or something. I was going to say Marvin Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> probably did. They probably heard something. It was like, like shut your crack ass up, cracker. <laughs> do, y'all, do y'all know the definitive Marvin Barnes story? Mm-mm. They were in the ABA. I don't know if he was. I, I just read this again. Um, he was with St. Louis or Virginia, and they had a flight to uh Kentucky to play the Colonels and he got to the airport looked at the itinerary and it said that they took off at 8 and got there at 7.55 and he was like huh it's like how's this work and, he, and they explained it he's like it's the, it's the time zone it's the time change he's like I don't fly on nothing that I don't fly on nothing that, that goes back in time and, and he rented a car and drove to Kentucky <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's some, uh, that's some old country logic right there. <laughs> I don't fly nothing that go back in time. <laughs> that's up there with a uh, sign white side. Was it last year? Something about moving out the moving out the country and going to Hawaii. <laughs> Yo, man, <laughs> that's some of that stuff. The um, <laughs> what it what it common say? Found it hard to imagine he hadn't been passed downtown. That's that's <laughs> that's <like> <laughs> Yeah, you ain't never left the hood thinking like that. Or when uh, on the wire when when they drove to Philly and Bodie was like, "There's other radio stations." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that out man, that would be like that'd be a great like like Living Color used to do skits like that where they have great moments in Black history, like the first brother to have a Jerry curl or the first <laughs> first brother, you know. <laughs> It was, it was wild shit like that, and that would that'd be a good skit. Like just the first NBA player who who just was like, "F it on a on a white uh, audience, white <laughs> white number of the audience." Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can see. I, I would I would imagine that was like a harrowing thing. Like you know, you you know, it had to be the point where it was like, "Am I am I gonna be worried that they gonna lynch me or not? Are they are they gonna jump on me or not?" You know? Did it happen in Boston? Did it happen in an obvious place like, like right. that, or did it happen, you know, in a less, you know, place with a lesser reputation? I don't know. But of course, you know, if you know, if you follow NBA, you know, I'm sort of referencing what happened this week with LeBron and uh, who he later named courtside Karen, and um, you know, I think in the minute, in the minute, I want to bring up the whole. Uh, I think I think it was the article that you brought us, Josh, about uh the Tom Brady and uh his reputation not being befallen because of his links to Trump. And um, you know, I, I sort of putting that in the context of the NBA. And but I'll, I'll we'll do that in a second. But a lot of that stem a lot of that I think stems from the uh the reputation or the you know, just the way that a player like LeBron James has carried himself in in his career, being outspoken, being not afraid to step into controversial 
of you know positions that would be deemed controversial by players, you know, by star players of previous generations. You know, um, you know, to see him in this position on Monday, I think it was Monday, right? Yeah, in Atlanta. You know, he's 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 not the one. He's proven that he's not the one, and it's it's good that it's it's one of those things that you know if you're if you're a LeBron stand, I'm, I'm sure it was a proud moment. But it's a proud moment, I think, for brothers everywhere. It's like, you know what? None of us should have to take words like that in any context from a woman like that. You know, she was, I don't, I mean, we don't know the whole situation, but she was obviously on one. And whatever her husband or sugar daddy, whoever he was, was probably on one too. So if it, if it went the way that she said, whereas, you know, LeBron was first hassling with the man, and then she felt and she felt implied to step up and and defend her man. You know, you know, for one, she didn't have to do that. And two, if if, if you're hassling someone in their workspace, you know, I I I, I got a I got a right to I got some leave. Now, I don't have the right to do anything to you in response, but I got some leeway. I got some, you know. I, there's more that I could do than just I'm not just gonna sit there and take it necessarily. And the NBA players, you know, they're used to a certain amount of discourse from audiences, from the crowds. And you know, there's a there's a certain give and take back and forth there that has existed for a long time. And I think veteran uh attenders of NBA games sort of know that and they appreciate that. And they could take it just as well as they give it. I don't think that woman has probably been to many NBA games in her life, and she hasn't been talked to in a certain in in any certain way besides people kissing her ass probably for the majority of her life. So she reacted the way that she did, and she went out and blasted it out the way that she did online for a reason because you know she's been pampered in a certain way for the majority of her life. And it's just funny that a man who probably the majority of white people in this country think is way over pampered like LeBron was able to put her in a place. That's you know pretty satisfying to me. But I don't know. Y'all got any thoughts on that whole thing? Uh, it reminded me of um old girl in Miami, I can't remember her name, who was screaming at Joakim Noah when he got ejected a few years back. Sure. Uh, I didn't I didn't look that story up for any reference just because uh it didn't really matter, you know. There's there's a line. There's always been a line, and the and the we've been trying to find that line over the last few years in terms of what's your what's within your rights to do if you buy a ticket for a sporting event because you want to cheer for your team or your or your or the, your favorite players. I think is more the case now, and especially in the NBA, and you want to cheer against the other guys. And for a long time, is is been accepted acceptable that you can say a lot of things that you wouldn't say in close quarters, especially to athletes, the, the, the size, strength, and, and athletic, and the athletic, with the athletic ability of, of NBA players. Uh, but I think it's, it's really the needle is swinging back towards the players after um, you see Russell Westbrook, who, Russell Westbrook getting on a lot of fans in Utah and in yeah. – um, was that was it Denver? I think 
uh, and other places like that. And especially in this case, it's really highlighted. I think it's really highlighted, one, because of the pandemic and with Atlanta being one of the few places that actually is seating fans during the pandemic still. Yeah. Everybody can hear you. <laughs> That's what the players learned in Florida. <laughs> Everybody can pretty much hear you. The, the, um, the broadcasts are getting better at piping the sound in such a way that we're not getting all the swears off the court and we're not, you know, we're not getting all the swears off the sideline, but people can hear you. So the security guards can hear you. The ushers can hear you. The players can hear you. So if I wanted to go to like hypothetically um, United Center or in this case, Phillips Arena, is it still Phillips? Is it State Farm Arena? I can't even remember what, what spot. It's State Farm oh. Arena now. Okay, cool. If I wanted to go there and call LeBron a, uh, call LeBron a punk, which I've been calling LeBron a punk for years, you know, people are going to hear me. So I'm going to limit it to punk and not some of the other the verbiage I've used in the past when he flops and tries to get calls. In this case, it's highlighted because it's a white woman who was sitting courtside. And I don't I I really don't remember what she said, so I can't quote it. But you got to be smarter, man. If you want to do so, be creative. Be creative with your heckling. Even yeah. those dudes that Isaiah Thomas was mad at, it was all right, but they called him short. He's been here and he was short his whole life. It just got to him that one time. Be more creative. Be more creative. Talk about LeBron's ball spot. <laughs> but I, 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 I love that point. I love, I love the couple points you made too about being able to be heard in this in the arena, uh, the arena environment that we have now, and it, it, it makes me think. Both of those points made me think of the guy. You probably remember this guy, the guy in Washington. Yeah, Robin Ficker. Uh, yeah, who was for so long was known as like the most notorious, uh, the most <laughs> notorious fan, most notorious heckler in the league. And, you know, he was notorious, but the players appreciated him mm -hmm. because he was indeed creative with what he did. He would get book excerpts and he would, he would, he would read up and, and, uh, study the guys and, and know, you know, like I say, really pinpoint his heckling. And he would, you know, I don't, I don't, think, I don't know. I think he wouldn't curse. I think there was this thing too. He wouldn't yeah, curse. Yeah, he wouldn't curse. And yeah, and, and he, he was, there was a thing where, you know, and, and players back then, you know, they were rougher and, and more, they were rougher in a lot of ways than the players today. And they were able to take a lot more, but, but they would, they would give them back to him too. And they would, but you, you never heard of him being kicked out or about to fight with a guy. Maybe, maybe if he was going it, doing it today, maybe he would be scrapping with Russell Westbrook. He probably, he probably be scrapping with Russell Westbrook as a as a member of the of the Wizards today. You know, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it, but you know, back then it wasn't no it wasn't no hassle like that. He, you know, like I say, he would he do his thing, and the players appreciated him and. He'd even he he got his notoriety off of that because of what he did. And like like I say, players understand the environment that they that they're in, especially the veterans. When they play a, enough of a time in the league, they understand. And it, it takes a really a lot to take them off their to knock them off their square to take them over edge. So like I said, it goes back to me with the the with the with the woman and how you know. In, impetuous she had to have been i'm sure and how you know again just a presumptive and and you know it, it, it just it's just 
it may, it, it just everything that you wouldn't want in a in a fan nowadays. You know the the privilege is, that's involved in that is just distasteful. And you know I'm you know like I say it be it's in Atlanta. Atlanta acting like they don't care about nothing. We we know now the All Star Game is gonna be down there. Now I wonder if they should bring her back for the All Star Game and have. <laughs> Have her, like have all the dunk contests be uh they'll try wow. trying to jump over her wow. head or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well Josh Drew, you got anything you, you want to add to that? I think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think it's just it's funny, um just a level of disrespect nowadays, man, shown to athletes in general. Um Again, I think LeBron is probably the most polarizing player that I've had the opportunity to to watch, and just people just come at his come at his head just nonstop, man. Whether it's social media or live and in, in person, um, I think somebody's uh one of his opponents, family members in the bubble, got into it with him too. I want to say it was Boston. I'm not sure uh, which player, um, but there was an incident. I think I know you. I think I remember what you talking about. Yeah, it was something yeah. in that game too. So it's it's nothing new for him. Uh, I I like the way he handled it post game. You know, kind of laughing it off and and saying that he kind of he misses that that back and forth interaction with fans. I thought that was pretty cool of him to to acknowledge. Um, I know he got a little bit of got some more flag for uh, that young lady and her husband being thrown out of the game. You know, people looked at him as if he was the one that coordinated the whole thing where I think it was just a, a decision made by the personnel at State Farm rather than him, you know, putting the onus on them to get them out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think- so much of it, so much of it, I think it, it does stem from his history of, and his, his politics as they were. I think people look at him as a target in a lot of ways. You know, I don't know if those people down there were uh, Kelly Loeffler voters, but you know, they might, they very well might have been. And you know, but go ahead, Josh. I was, I was just gonna say, you know, let the man live. We've been through this before. You know, he'll be, he'll respond the way you want to respond, but you'll be chill about it. But it also shows you miss fans, and at the same time, you got to be that stupid if you're the only person in the stands and you are yelling that loud hoping someone can hear you. I mean, there's nobody there. So people, be smart. Don't be dumb. And if there's alcohol involved, just you already know how it goes. Lower down on the drinking. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Be responsible. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me, though. I think I do think that a lot of flack that LeBron gets and certain players in the NBA get, it stems from their willingness to speak out on behalf of their people and speak out on behalf of, you know, people in general who don't have the the same type of uh, platforms that they have. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, read a, we, we, we all looked at a piece this week that, uh, Josh brought to us on our text, Jay, uh, Nancy Armour of USA Today, uh, uh, wrote about Tom Brady sort of getting, uh, less flack than he deserved. Or again, really getting a, a, a free pass off of his uh, established support of Donald Trump in the past, and uh, you know we we're we're up on this Super Bowl week, another week where he's being hailed heralded as 
you know, one of the greatest team athletes of all time, the GOAT quarterback and all that. And, you know, I guess she had a reason to, uh, you know, I think, you know, definitely rightfully so bring that to attention that for athletes of his type and of his complexion, they rarely, if ever, have to speak, have to speak up on and back up their their uh, thoughts or their political leanings or whatever, however they express them in public. And they rarely have, they rarely have ever had to speak on behalf of their race and the actions that people who, who represent, who uh, with uh, in, in many ways align themselves with, with them, with a Tom Brady, you know, the actions that they will take, no matter how despicable they may be up to and including uh, raiding and, and raiding the capital of the United States. You know, if there's a bunch of black folks doing that, you know, we, we can imagine uh, how uh, the NBA players of LeBron's caliber would have to respond to that. You know, they would they would have to respond on some level. But Tom Brady, he don't have to respond to that. Other players who are outwardly MAGA and, and all that, Donald Trump, they don't have to respond to things like that. They could just, you know, go about their business as athletes and, and the context in which they're covered is, uh, you know, is basically left at that, you know, what left at what they do on the field. And, um, you know, with NBA players is, you know, I guess in a lot of ways they, they've sort of walked into that by their actions and, you know, things like we seen, like we saw last year in the bubble in Orlando. And, um, you know, you can say they're willing combatants in these uh, social wars that's going on, these, these, uh, you know, these, these back and forth that going on. But, you know, is it fair? You know, is it, is it, it, do we ask too much of the brothers in the league when it comes to that? Are we, are we, or are we asking enough? You know, I don't know. What, what do y'all think? <laughs> you stopped us, man. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, I think as an athlete, especially as an African-American black athlete, your duty to society is going to be that much more magnified because you're that much more, it's not, because of that much more of a target on your back. And when that type of target is put on your back, when you have a platform that big to address issues that cater to your community. I think you are obligated to have more of a responsibility, even though we know in the back of our minds, not every athlete is built for that type of demographic. Um, it's, it's something that we as normal people per se could appreciate if you have someone on that type of level to magnify the, vo the lost voices that quite frankly in our everyday society are being ignored. But at the same time, even as analysts, when we talk about these issues, we have to uh, have to be cognizant of the fact that, quite frankly, not every athlete is built for those type of platforms. And nor do they want to take on that responsibility because that responsibility is so grave. It's so um, it's so so much pressure that comes with that type of responsibility that they won't be they're not willing to take up that type of mantle. So as much as we want to give after that responsibility and maybe even believe that they should have that responsibility just because the everyday voice is not, isn't really heard in society. We have to be cognizant of the fact that not everyone is built 
to take on that type of mantle. So we have to be cognizant of who we put our specific trust or our specific values and expectations on when it comes to embedding, our, embedding ourselves and embedding athletes in the social justice game, knowing that certain people can take the conversation farther than it, far, further where it needs to go. And some people will just be willing to sit on the sidelines and let things happen because they're willing just to get that paycheck. I think at the end of the day, I think just athletes in general, just they need to be true to themselves. If, if they feel empowered to, to speak up and address these issues uh, with or without uh, provocation, then that's what they should do. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't did Tim Anderson ever speak out on anything that happened over the course of the last year? I, I want to say he maybe not um, widespread, but I feel like in, in some of the circles that I'm in, some of these chat groups, like he, he was getting a little heat for not coming out and speaking up. It's I, I remember seeing a photo that he took with um, the dude Photo Genocide that did a lot of his photo stuff this uh, starting this year, where he was downtown Chicago um, posing next to an A-cab graf cab graffiti on like a, a a light pole or, or something. I don't know if he ever spoke up and said anything specifically publicly or anything like the Players Tribune or something like that, but it seemed like he made his stance pretty clear. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah, it, it, that's an interesting case. I'm, it, it's interesting that you brought that up, Drew, because I think, you know, if whether or not he's Tim has been particularly uh, vocal in the specific things that happened like outside of the playing field, outside of sports, you know, you still could look at him as a as an agent for change, especially within his sport and the uh, you know the the standards and in, in the you know the the whole just the whole rules of his sport, you know, written and unwritten in the way that this sort of restricts uh, you know a certain type of cultural expression. You know, and that I think that's something that's valuable in the way that, you know, he's attacked that and he's been very vocal in that regard and and he's walked it like he's talked it in that regard. And uh, there's there's a lot of ways you can be an agent for change. True. You know, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, doing you don't necessarily have to attack society in the way that everybody else is attacking it or t or being vocal in the way. You know, of course, we all, of course, we all are affected in, in certain ways by certain actions when we see brothers getting shot and abused by by the law. And, and you know, when we, when we see our, our politicians not representing us right and everything. But there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that we can change things within our our professions, our industries and, you know, just standing up and, and being righteous in that way too means a lot. So I think a lot of, you know, the NBA, you can sort of take that for granted because there's so much of a, a willingness to accept and promote black expression already in the NBA, but it's a different, it's a whole different thing in a, in a sport like major league baseball. And you can look at it too in other sports, like a Naomi Osaka in tennis, another sport that isn't very, and isn't always welcoming to to pure black expression, and I think that's why a lot of people 
admired what she did over the past summer, she sort of combined the two in regards to her being outwardly black on the court and also bringing to uh, to people's attention specific instances of, uh, of specific rallying points, specific people who we need to uh, to to really mention and really amplify what they've gone through from George Floyd to uh, to hear rice or whatever, though, you know, having the names on a mask and everything and speaking out people's names in, in interviews after, uh, she won tennis matches and stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of ways to, to be an agent of change. And it is, it, it, it shows how meaningful those platforms are as an athlete when you can be on national TV so much and everything like that. Sure. Sure. And Naomi Osaka. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah. she's um she she put in I think she put in for ownership of a of an NWSL team, the women's soccer league. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. It's I mean, and she's still she's under 25, if I'm right. That's incredible to me. It shows it shows you how, you know, with people who are younger than us, you know, even you know, Josh's age and younger and you know they they coming through, man. They and they're gonna the way that they are gonna approach things is gonna be much more thorough than even what we've seen from people like LeBron and Chris Paul and people you know of of this of our current generation. You know it's gonna be you know a lot of people out here who ain't gonna be having that BS. You know and they're <laughs> gonna use they're gonna utilize what they can as as a uh, you know as athletes to really uh make things happen and you know as they represent for the people that's a good thing and you know i i just i think when you look at articles like nancy's and armors is really the the main push behind those the a piece like that i really think is that we need the white brothers and sisters to do more and step up at least speak more and and if they if they want to consider themselves to be allies you know, put it on the table. Don't just hide behind your privilege. So, uh, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward, we're looking at you. <laughs> Let's name out some of the white brothers in the NBA right now. Low-key, he said something came up with Gordon, and I have a bad feeling that Gordon might be keeping it right wing on the low. I don't remember what it was, so I don't want to – yeah, there's always some little jokes about him, but man. Yeah. There was something, something specific came up, and I remember saying, "I was like, is Gordon Hayward right wing? Like, is he super right wing like that?" Just because yeah. you're from small town Midwest doesn't automatically make you that person. There was a dude I worked with, um, a caterpillar down in Peoria, who brought caviar into work one day, and that dude was mad cool, but he was super small town. But I don't, I don't know. So, so uh, let, let's keep an eye on Gordon Hayward. That's all I'm gonna say. Followed a projection. Yeah. He went to Boston. <laughs> and he went to Boston to Charlotte. <laughs> but see, I was just talking. I was just talking on another show the other day, and uh, you know, they was talking about like Charlotte is really like for black is really becoming like a black professional type city now. So mm. I don't know if he, if they're gonna be standing for that down there, you know. Maybe if he scores, if he if he if he puts together more thirty point games and stuff, maybe they'll 
if they give them, if he help get them in the playoffs, maybe they'll stand for it. But but see again, you could that's what you could do if you're a white dude. If you you could just hide behind your play, you know. If, if you if you scary Terry, <laughs> you, can't, you can't just you can't just be playing. You got to be like if if something pop off in Charlotte and you don't hear from the brothers on the team, you know what 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 does that mean? You know, out there. But we about to bring a sheesh mentor on uh, I guess for this week, but. Before we leave this, I want to. I just, I just wonder, like, are there brothers in the league who low key? Because of you know more brothers than we can like to admit have voted for Trump in both of the last two elections. I wonder, like, I would guess, like, in a in a in football, there may be more a few of those brothers in football, you know. But because there's more, it's more on brothers in football for one, but. You know, like I say, just you know, in basketball, I wonder if there's like a couple of we we may have to do some investigating on this, like because I, I, nobody has stood up, nobody is nobody in the NBA has been like, well, well, you know, uh, you know, nobody, nobody has been like, you know, you know, Trump, Trump, the, the the economy has done well under Trump, you know, nobody, has, <laughs> nobody is. Is 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 took that risk, you know, and I wonder if anybody ever would like if if anybody would stand out like that. That would that'd be a hard road to hope. Man, man, it's like PR suicide, man. They didn't want to get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's 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 transition, man. Let's bring in our guest this week, man. This is a good friend. Of, of he's the first time runner, but he's a friend of Reg, of, of uh, We Are Regal Radio, and uh, the guy's been doing a lot of cool things in on the internet media, and uh, really been repping Chicago and repping people like D Rose for a minute. Uh, it's Ashish Mathur. Did I get that right, brother? Yes, sir. What's going on, bro? <laughs> What's happening, man? What's up, man? What's up, yeah, Ashish? How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? All right, all right. Like that day. Uh, yeah, man. I gotta I gotta represent the team, even though we've been uh we've been trashed for the last decade or so, but yeah. <laughs> right, you you really you really rep it. This off season and everything, man. They ain't even pull in they ain't even pull in old boy yet. You know, they ain't put in Deshaun, uh, you know Deshaun, yet yeah, man. You know I, I can't wear no bad stuff until they do that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm not. I can't be. I can't be a fair weather fan, man. It's just not in me. Well, you know, I ain't fair weather, but you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just ain't about to be out here like all the bears. I'm wrecking my bear shit, you know. Now, now don't be because they gonna be coming with Derek Carr in about a week or so. I, I bet you that. Oh but, God, yeah. yeah. I might have to burn my hat if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I, I, I ain't putting it out there. We still, we still holding out for Deshaun. They gonna make it happen, hopefully. I don't know who we is, cause we is not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you go ahead. You, that's, that's where you, that's where you do your thing with the NFL. I know what you is with the NFL. <laughs> man, anyway, we talking ball here, man. Ashish, how, how you been, man? You know, you you were you were at Clutch Points for a while, you know, but now you're at uh what sportscasting.com? Yes, sir. All right, what what's, what's it going? What how's it going over there? What you what what are you uh doing over there? 
It's going good, man. Been there since uh, December 14th, uh, doing mostly NBA and NFL stuff over there. Um, I did a little bit of tennis just because I played in high school and college. So uh, I actually wrote about that Naomi Osaka thing about her buying um, or becoming an owner of that uh, North Carolina soccer team. Um, okay. It's been good, man. Uh, you know, it, it's a little different than clutch points because at clutch points, I was basically doing, you know, like your short news or stories, you know, 200, 300 words. Um, but here I'm doing, you know, long form, you know, 800 to a thousand word articles, like five a day. So uh, a little more of a workload, but I like it. Because, more weight on them bars. Yeah, I like it. I like it, bro, because you're able to kind of, you know, offer your two cents as well instead of just saying, oh, so and so said this aggregated and then you're done. You know, that that, that kind of gets so mundane, especially when yeah. you're doing it for, you know, two, three years like I did at Clutch. So um, I, I definitely, definitely like the new gig and um, you know, it's been fun so far. Now, the thing about Clutch, though, was that you were able to really, because uh, really, you know, zero in your, your coverage in a way towards Chicago stuff and Chicago oriented stuff like like Derrick Rose, we'll talk. We'll talk about your relationship with Derrick Rose in a minute. But you able to do that at clutch points, you know, at where you're at now, is it going to be? Is it more like just a broader thing where you're, you know, or are you going to be able to really? Are, are you going to be able to have that Chicago centric appeal to your coverage there as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no real limitations. So, you know, I'm still able to do my Chicago stuff. Um, but, you know, I definitely have to keep an eye on what's going on, um, you know, everywhere else. You know, I can't be that biased where I'm just doing Chicago stuff. So um, I, I think it's fun. You, you get to learn about new cities, new sports. Uh, I had to do a couple of NASCAR stories. Never watched NASCAR race in my life. But it was cool to write about Bubba Wallace and how he's trying to get the sport more more diverse with Michael Jordan, with Pitbull becoming a team owner, um, you know, and so it's cool to learn about, you know, I think we all, um, you know, read about the unfortunate noose incident that he, that he went through over the summer. Um, yeah. And so it's been unique to kind of see how he's handled his, handled his adversity and, you know, overcome all the obstacles that he's had to overcome. So, um, obviously, you know, I'll never stop writing about Chicago and football and basketball, but I have enjoyed, um, you know, kind of diversifying my portfolio, uh, which is, I think will pay off in the long run. Got to diversify your bonds, like Jesus said, you know. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah so how, how did you come up? You know, give us a little bit of your background, man, of, and for, you know, for our audience as well who may not be as familiar with you, you know. I, you know, uh, I think me and me and Josh definitely met you through uh, School B, mm -hmm, and uh, the legend. You know, yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he put us all to you, and uh, you know, I, he was, you know, like I say because of the the way that you worked at at uh, Clutch Points, so much of that was, you know, a lot of consolidation, a lot of, uh, you know, bringing together stuff from other blogs and everything. Right. And that included, you know, School B, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the work that he was doing out east, work that he's he's been doing out east. You know, was that something that, you know, 
was was that something that you had anticipated doing when you got into writing or you know how how did you get into writing first of all and, and how did you get to clutch points you know how did that work happen yeah long story short um my story is actually pretty crazy um you know i got i have my master's in psychology um but i got into the writing gig uh in 2015 uh, i started just blogging for fansided um, on the side, you know, just kind of as a hobby while I was looking for a psychology job and then um, just kind of made my way up, you know, from blog to blog and then kind of got my break in 2017 when I became a credentialed reporter with the Cavs. That's where I met uh, D-Rose for the first time. Um, and and then I got with Clutch Points, um, one of my friends works there and he was like, yo, I think, you know, you would be a really good asset for us. So I joined there in 2018. Um, so my story, I mean, it's a lot different from everybody else because, you know, um, you know, like, like Josh, you know, he's in journalism school. Um, you know, a lot of those people have to, you know, work for a newspaper, radio. So, um, you know, my story is definitely different from everybody else. I, I think because I studied psychology, my whole program, my whole master's program was just writing. You know, I was there for two years. I only took three tests in two years. Everything else was just writing, case studies. My master's thesis was 25 pages. So I think that's where I really honed in on my writing skills. Um, and then, you know, like any other guy, I've been a sports fan my whole life. So I've always wanted to do something in sports. But, uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I told you I would ever – I ever thought I'd become a full-time writer. Like if you had told me this four years ago, I'd been like, yeah, you're, you're tripping. <laughs> but um, just, I just believed in myself, you know, had a lot of help. Like I said, you know, through friends, you know, Scoop, you know, he helped me a lot. Um, just giving me advice, giving me a platform at Basketball Society in 2018 for a little bit. Um, so, you know, just like with anything in life, you know, you can't do it on your own, but um, yeah, I definitely worked hard to, to get to where I'm at today. Yeah, that's, that's a good story, man. You know, just it shows how, you know, it really speaks to the way that the business is today. A lot of people sort of talk down on that because, you know, it, it seems like just anybody could get into the game. But that, that can be a good thing as well because, you know, democratizing our, our outlets and, you know, allowing more writers and more different voices to be put on is it, it can be a good thing as long as you have that sort of right spirit and that right work ethic you know where you you know you bring pride to what you do and you're not just out here talking stuff and you know uh you know getting you know being a you know a gossip hog or doing whatever you know just making noise you know you know someone like you really respects what what's the craft of uh writing and uh, you know reporting you know definitely uh makes you somebody who was uh easy to root for so you know I look forward it, to seeing yeah man definitely look forward to seeing you know how you progress and everything and 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 you know definitely wish you the best as we as you go forward in your career but uh you know drawing back again though you know you're you're a chicago bred guy so you you know you root with for Chicago sports all your life. And that's informed a lot of, again, like you said, a lot of your uh, previous work. You know, you mentioned the significance of meeting Derrick Rose a couple mm -hmm. years back. And, uh, you know, 
let's speak to that. Like, you know, Man. us all being Chicago guys, we're all Chicago guys, and, you know, we all have our different, you know, me and Drew and, and you know, Chris to an extent, we can, ex- we can reference the 90s a bit more. You know, Ashid, I think you're more closer to Josh. So, uh, you know, whereas those, the post-Dynasty Bulls, you pretty much have Rose and, and everything else. Right. So, you know, how significant, in your words, would you say Derrick Rose has been to your, you know, uh, coming of age as a basketball enthusiast? And, you know, what, why, you know, and how, what has it meant for you to be able to interview him and cover him in a certain way for, you know, national uh platforms like clutch sport uh clutch points and stuff like that why is it why is it why is it so important for you that people don't forget because you were repping him during the time we spoke to this last week too mm-hmm. and, and almost almost cussed out the whole state of utah about it but you know there was a time <laughs> where everybody was down on on d rose right. and you know he's he's returned in in quite a bit he, he's returned you know, he's gotten back his honor in a lot of ways since then. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all loved seeing that. But there was a time where he was, like, people was throwing dirt on him, you know, yeah. steady. And, you still know, happens. you was one of the guys. Yeah, yeah it's still, it, you know, I'm sure you see it, you know, a lot still. But, but you know, you were repping him throughout that whole point. And, and I'm sure it has to make you feel good that he's a respected player, at least um on the broad sense, he's a respected player once again. Yeah, so I was born in 1990, so I missed out on the Jordan years. Um, I mean, I, I was, I went to a finals game in 95, but I was only five years old, <laughs> so I don't remember anything. Um, but yeah, my dad has all the VHS tapes of the six championships. I've watched each one millions of times. I watched the Last Dance docuseries. I'm not even exaggerating, guys. Like, I've literally watched it, episode one through ten, like, 30 times. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I love it. Um, so, but, yeah, the Bulls have been terrible since Jordan. I mean, actually, Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon were my favorite players before Derek got to the Bulls. Um, I heard about Derek at Simeon when I was um, – you guys are all from Chicago. So I went to middle school at Morgan Park Academy. Um, and I heard about Derek when he was a sophomore at Simeon and I was in seventh grade. And one of my friends was like, yo, we got to go take a bus to Simeon to watch this high school kid play. And I'm like, yo, I'm not taking a bus to see a high school kid play. That's not happening. I'd rather watch Ben Gordon and Kirk Heinrich play tonight on TV. And he's like, no, man, this kid is the next big thing. I promise. Like, I'll cover the bus fare or whatever. I was like, all right, whatever. He said he would cut. Hold on. <laughs> Yo, back then, the bus fare was still 175 <laughs> Yeah, man, I was in seventh grade, bro. I didn't have any money on me. Um, so we take a bus to see me on. We get there. I forgot who they were playing, man. The crowd is packed. We have standing seats only. And my friend like pointed out Derek, this light-skinned kid. I'm like, this guy, dude, like we took a bus to see this guy play. He does we wrote this up this for this. He does this 
ridiculous like 360 dunk and warm-ups without even running just like stand still i'm like oh my god <laughs> and ever since then man i've just been in love with this game i've watched like i've watched every single game of his since he graduated seaman i watched every game in memphis watch every game in chicago new york cleveland minnesota detroit i have not missed one game and um I mean, he's my favorite player of all time. Like, obviously, Jordan's the GOAT in Chicago, but, like, my whole house is Derrick Rose. I have all of his signature shoes. Um, when I met him in Cleveland, um, it was very tough because as a reporter, you have to be professional, right? Can't ask for an autograph, can't get a picture. So when I met him and shook his hand, <laughs> like, I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I don't have to do anything else in life. I just met my favorite player. And, like, we talked for, like, five, ten minutes on the side. I was like, yo, I'm from Chicago. He was like, oh, where are you from? Like, how did you end up in Cleveland? I said, I came to Cleveland just to interview you. And he was just like, he's, you would never know he's the youngest MVP in NBA history. He's so humble. It's unbelievable how, like, polite he is. And... Like you said, Kyle, it's been it's tough being a Rose fan because what he's been through since winning MVP is like it's just it's just not fair. I mean, four knee surgeries, one eye surgery, one elbow surgery, traded twice, cut once. Like you said, had his name just ripped nonstop. I feel like these analytic guys on Twitter just talk down on his name all the time just so like they can fit in like i uh, like, i don't know if any of you guys are analytic people um i hope you're not because i don't respect analytics at all <laughs> basketball like i'm sorry like basketball is played on the court it's not played on a calculator or a graph like i'm not going to go to the gym and work on my true shooting percentage or my per or work on my mid-range my free throws my threes like I hate when analytics people say, oh, we don't care about field goal percentage anymore. We only care about true shooting. I'm like, how does that make any sense? Like, I, I don't get that. So, I, like, rocking with Derek throughout this whole period, it's just been tough. But I just never gave up on him. I always knew that basketball is about fit and opportunity. And I knew once he got that opportunity to play again, and, like, people forget he averaged 18-4-4 four four in New York as a third option, and he shot almost 50% from the field. But it's because people don't like him. They're like, oh, that's wash numbers. Well, how is that wash numbers? But George Hill puts up 15 points per game, and people are like, oh, he's an all-star. I'm like, if you, like, if you don't like him, just say it. Just say right. it. Don't, don't, like, have some BS analysis where it just doesn't make sense. So – um, I've been rocking with him forever. When he scored 50 points against Utah, I had so many reporters hit me up. And they were like, yo, we're so happy for you because you're the only guy we know who's rocked with him from day one. I was like, no, there's a lot of people who've rocked with him from day one. You just don't know. Like, he's eighth in all-star. Here. <laughs> yeah, he's eighth in all-star voting this year. And he hasn't even played well. Okay. But that's just how much people love him because his story is – it's relatable to everybody. Like, just not giving up. Like, 
how many players would have given up after the second surgery? I mean, you already have generational money. You already have the MVP, the All-Star. Like a lot of people would have given up after that second surgery against Portland. But, you know, he didn't want to set a bad example for his kids. So um, I will always support him no matter what. Uh, meeting him was the best best moment of my life. I mean, I've interviewed LeBron, KD, Bradley Beal, John Wall, but, like, none of that compares to Derek, bro. Like, it's just different when you're from Chicago. Like, he's he's like yeah, like yeah. Isaiah Thomas. Said, like, he's, he's Chicago's favorite son. Like, he can do no wrong in our eyes. And I pray that the Bulls trade for him so I can see him in that number one jersey one more time. <laughs> Because he does not look right playing for the Pistons. <laughs> he just does not look but that's, right. And, and that's why that's the conversation I wanted to get into as well. You know, mm. like it's right. Like at, at one point, I was like, okay, he's with the Pistons. Okay, that's cool. He, he may have a chance to really get his numbers back up with them and do some things. And he's had some nights. He's had some some stellar nights over there, but. Like yeah, this year has been year. like, yeah, yeah. Last year, like he had some real good nights over there, but this year it's like he, it's like he's disappearing again. And I'm, and yeah. we we talked a week or so ago about guys who we really want to see move around the league right. now. You know, everybody's everybody's talking like everybody has this uh, you know, sympathy for Bradley Beal right now. He's sort of like, like the one guy who people p- look at and say, "No, you got to move out from your situation," but. You know, we right. still we all stick with Derek. You know, and mm-hmm. like you say, him being in Detroit seems like a waste right now. It's terrible. Um, he played really well last year. He averaged eighteen point one, shot almost fifty percent. Uh, I think the last game he played last year before the pandemic at thirty one against Phoenix, the game winner. Um, yeah, he needs to get out of Detroit ASAP. I thought he got traded a couple days ago because. He was a healthy scratch against Utah. So I was like, oh, my God, please, please let there be a trade in the works. But Dwayne Casey made something up. Oh, he had an upset stomach or something. Um, so I've been praying every day that he gets traded. I want him to go to the Clippers. The Clippers need a point guard, um, especially in the playoffs when the game becomes a half-court game. They don't have anybody to organize the offense and tell Kawhi to go there, PG to go there. That's why they lost in the Nuggets last year. Um, I know a lot of – I'm actually the only Rose fan who doesn't hate LeBron. Um, a lot of Rose fans hate LeBron after what happened <laughs> uh, in Cleveland. You know, they all think, oh, he was the one who got him traded and, and whatnot. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Lakers again. Um I do not want the Knicks to trade for him. So you, you, think, they would, you think they would have – because uh, – LeBron was a guy, like drawing back too on that fifty-point game when in mm. Minnesota. He, LeBron really did speak highly of Le, of uh, D Rose Derek, in that yeah. situation. I think he called him like a superhero or something. So yeah. you, you think they do have that type of relationship where LeBron would want him for for a stretch run? It's possible. I mean, the Lakers wanted to trade from last year, but the Pistons were asking for too much. They were asking for like. I think like two first round picks or a first round pick and a player. Um, and the Pistons said, no, we can't. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lakers said, no, we can't do that. Um, 
I don't think Derek and LeBron will ever have like a brotherhood relationship because they were rivals for so many years. You know, in in Derek's book, I'll show you. Um, I've read that book like three times too. Um, <laughs> he said it was really awkward playing on the Cavs because like, you know, like this was the guy I was trying to beat for so many years, and now I got to play with him. Um, that, that's mm-hmm. really awkward. But um, I, 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 yeah, I Ro- Rose, Rose got. Rose don't he don't he don't mess with the with the ops man. Like, he doesn't like that's he that's just that's some real Chicago stuff. He don't mess with yeah, the ops. He, he, I don't know if it's true or not, but there was a rumor that LeBron wanted his teammates to call him King James in Cleveland, and Derek didn't do it. I don't know if that's mm. true or not. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it because I don't think Derek would ever be like, I'm not calling you King James or I'll call you Bron or Bron Bron. I'm not calling nobody. No, another guy a king. Like, that's just not how he rocks. But I just want him out of Detroit. I don't want him on the Knicks, even though I love Tom Thibodeau. Tibbs <laughs> saved Derek's career by signing him in Minnesota. I love Tibbs. Yeah. I always love Thibodeau. But I do not want him to go to the Knicks. What's the difference between the Knicks and the Pistons? It's like a difference of like two wins. Um, he needs to have one more playoff run to just remind everybody that, yo, I'm not – one of my friends said, he said Derek winning MVP is the best and worst thing to happen to him. The best thing, obviously, because he's the youngest MVP, got the contract. But it's the worst thing because unless he's putting up 25 and 8, everybody's saying, oh, he's washed. So I'm like, okay, because he's not putting up MVP numbers, he's washed. Doesn't that mean half of the league is washed then? Like, you can't compare him to that dude anymore. He's had four knee surgeries. Like – you can't it's just not realistic so um i think he could still average 20 and 5 he almost did it last year with the with detroit so um yeah anywhere anywhere but new york i'm good with i'm good with the clippers lakers sixers the bulls would be amazing just for the nostalgia i would say would, would you want if the bulls wanted to trade for him this oh, year oh i would love you, it i would love it they should have signed him last year but they signed Sadoransky instead, um, and he's making like double of what Derek's making, but like putting up way less production. So um, it would be great. I, I think the Bulls need another elite shot creator next to Zach, especially if they make the playoffs. And then he'd be a great mentor for Kobe. But I don't know, man. It's just Derek's such a hard guy to. He's such a hard guy to understand. Like I feel like he's just. After everything he's been through and being out of the league, I really feel he's just comfortable where he is. Like, there's no pressure. He just gets to play his game. If he has a bad game, no reporter's going to bash him. Like, you remember in Chicago, like, the last couple years, like, Joe Cowley and Dan Bernstein were just killing him, bro, for everything. Like, I think that really, that really hit him. Like, I think that almost traumatized him. Real. I think D Rose is just again, we, we're from Chicago, so I'm gonna say this is just Chicago in him. Like he just wants to hoop, man. He don't care if it's for Detroit, the last place team in the league, or for the Lakers or Clippers. And I'm sitting there as you were talking, you spoke about the Clippers and the Lakers. And I'm like, man, where else could he possibly go? And I thought about Milwaukee. He would be a nice Oh my god, Milwaukee. that would be but they traded so many draft picks to get Drew Holiday. I don't think what what could they possibly offer the Pistons? You know they also have DJ Augustine running the second unit, so there might not be a fit there. Man. That would be a great spot. Oh my god, 
great spot. Yeah, man. Honestly, I just want him back in the playoffs. Like, what's the point of playing? Like you said, he wants to. Exactly. What's the point of putting up 18 to 20 for the worst team in the league, man? Like, what's the point in that? Like, you'll have the analytics people say, oh, they're empty numbers, whatever the case may be. So let's get, let's get him in shown, the playoffs. Man. Let's get him in and the he's playoffs. Shown, he's yeah. shown, unlike so many players, in that old school way that when the lights are bright, he raises his game. Yeah, playoff he heroes, in the way that, animal. For sure, yes. man. For sure. I mean <laughs> – they they're gonna have to move him though because I mean they they made that trade for Jeremy Grant who is having an outstanding season uh, mm-hmm. you know outside of the expectations that were placed on him when he went there from from for Denver. sure man um, but then they drafted Killian Hayes who's injured but I mean so what's what's Derek's future there you know that's what I'm saying like and he's a free agent so mm-hmm. you can't risk losing him for nothing mm-hmm. um, so I, I bro like I've been praying every day <laughs> like just get him out of Detroit. <laughs> No Knicks. Again, Thibodeau, I love you, man. Like, you saved his career. I love you forever. But, no, I can't deal with those fans and bloggers again. That one season in New York, I got into so many fights with people on Twitter about, I'm like, what other players averaging 18-4-4 as the third option in the triangle with Melo taking 30 shots to get 20 points with Porzingis being seven feet but doesn't even know how to post anybody up? Like, who else is doing this? And Derek even said it himself. He was like, what other point guard in New York has averaged the numbers I averaged since I left? Nobody. So, Ashish, I got to ask you one thing. Because um, I, I, I didn't come up the same way. I actually missed out on, on seeing Derek in the state championship because I was at Bradley and Peoria. And my oh, bowling nice. coach, my bowling coach told me, he's like, yo, you need to go see Rose. And I was kind of the same way you were in seventh grade. I was like, why do I want to go see a high school basketball? <laughs> I'm in college. Like, I'm, I'm in college to get away from high school. <laughs> and I didn't know. And so I could have gone to see Rose for like five bucks and yeah. missed out. Even though I know that that was not the best championship game in, in Illinois state history. Oh, that was ugly. That yeah, was ugly. <laughs> still missed that one. Um, but I... I made so many Bulls fans in Peoria those three years from like from 08 to to 2011, just right. telling everybody like you need to watch Bulls games, you need to watch mm-hmm. this dude. This dude is the truth. This dude is somebody I haven't seen do things like this since Jordan, and, and he was doing things that you know. In a, it's in a different way. It's, if you talk about basketball as jazz, Coltrane and uh, Coltrane and Bird and Adderley aren't the same. But it really hit me um, off the the legal stuff really hit me in such a way that it was something I couldn't ever divorce myself from. So when when Rose got 50, I was happy. I wasn't happy in the same way everybody else was because I know people were the way that the the Timberwolves covered it, like the announcers was it was it was slanted in such a way that it was hard to ignore. So my struggle has always been, and I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want you to waffle or anything like that. If it's something you don't want to talk about, you don't have to. But it's been hard to reconcile that with the player that I love and the man who said, you know, I'm not exactly sure what consent is. So yeah, I don't know man. what your thoughts are on that. No, the trial was, was terrible. I mean, there's just no way to get around it. It was a bad look for him. Um the way, and of course, I'm biased. I mean, it was a clear money grab. I mean, I followed the trial like very closely. 
Um, obviously, the, some of the stuff that he said was just not right. I mean, like the we men comment and the consent thing wasn't right. But and again, of course, I'm biased. I respect everybody's opinion. But like for the consent thing, like who on the south side of Chicago is using the word consent? You know, it's like it's either yes or no. So like, and he even said, like, I'm not going to do anything to a girl if she says no. So it's a sensitive subject. I don't really like to talk about it that much. I completely understand why people wouldn't root for him ever again. I completely understand that. But my thing is don't let that affect the way you cover the player on the court. So if you hate him off the court, cool. But if he's given you 18 and 5 in like 20 minutes a game, you can't say always washed because that's just okay. not – you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I completely get with you, Chris. Like if you can't root for him ever again, I have no issue with that because it was a very, very controversial trial. Um, and it was just a bad look for him, straight up. But, um, I mean, the, I think the case went to court like three times. Like the accuser tried to take it back a couple times. She lost again. She actually had to pay him for losing. Um, but, yeah, I completely agree. It's a very, very – it was a very bad trial. Um, it sucked that it had to happen. And um, yeah. I don't think – I don't think he'll ever be able to get – like, there's people who are always going to bring it back up, even, like, 20 years from now. Like, if he becomes Hall of Fame eligible, because it was just so – especially with the Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, like, everybody knew about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. It was bad, it was, man. It was, it, yeah. it was bad, but um, I thought it was a clear money grab. I mean, you had the accuser's girlfriend saying, oh, it was a lie from the beginning. So – but I think if Derek didn't say those two comments – his image would be a lot better. But again, I have, a, I have plenty of friends in the South side of Chicago and they don't speak that well either. So I mean, I'm just being honest. Like they don't speak that well either. So well, we, yeah, we, 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 we're from, we're from there. So for the most yeah. part, I think all of us, right. you know, we, you know, we, I think we, it's for us, Derek is so identifiable in, in the way it's hard to not, you know, it's hard to not have some sort of uh, empathy for him in a general sense. But you can't let yourself, once you get to a certain point in life, you have to exhibit better self-control and better decision-making. You have to do better, you know, with the people around you. You can't be, I think, and you know, from the details that I saw from that case, I think he was exhibiting a little bit too much of, of a follower's, mindset when he should have been more he was immature for sure he was very immature um i think he's grown and learned from that he's a very mature soul now right um but yeah it it was just it was tough man like whenever your favorite player goes through something like that it's bad i mean there's no no other way around it and so i again i completely understand why people won't root for him again but there's a reason he went to trial instead of just paying her off you know a lot of people have just paid Avery Bradley, I don't know if people know this, but Avery Bradley actually paid a girl to be quiet about rape a couple of years ago. Uh, but mm-hmm. because he's not Derrick Rose, it didn't make the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren, Collinson, Darren Collinson beat his wife, you know, but that didn't make the news because he's not Derrick Rose. Chris Tasporzingis. Uh, oh, that one I did know about, yeah. But that just, that just, that, 
that was trending for like a week and then it just went away, you know, because again, he's not Derek yeah. Rowe. So again, mm -hmm. it was a terrible case, but my thing is if, if, if he had actually done it, it would have been a criminal trial instead, instead of a civil suit and he would he would have just paid her off. But he said in his book, yo, I went to trial cause I knew I didn't do anything wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it was bad, man. Like I, I just hate talking about it. I, I'm glad that you brought it up because I think it's good for me to, you know, address those kind of things. So like I don't completely be biased in everything I do with Derek. Um, <laughs> like when he plays bad, like I'm the I'm the hardest dude on him. Like some of my reporter friends are like, you can't be that that biased towards him. I'm like, I'm not. Like when he plays bad, I like this year he's been terrible. Like, and I've told everybody that, like, he's just been bad this year. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or he's just not feeling Detroit anymore. He's had maybe, like, four good games this year. So I think I've definitely gotten better in that. Because during his last year in Chicago, like, even if he would play bad, like, I would somehow find a way to defend him. Like, oh, but he's playing with a broken eye or Jimmy Butler's being an asshole or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that name up because never mind LeBron. What I want to know is you being such a staunch D Rose fan, how do you feel about Jimmy Butler? Oh God. Oh no. No. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That's what I want to know. Damn all right, all right. Here's the, here's the truth on Jimmy. Um, those two years where Derek was hurt. I love Jimmy. I was like, yo, this dude is amazing. Then 2014-15, when he won most improved player of the year, I was like, finally, Derek has another running mate. We're going to the finals. Right. And then that whole thing with the Cavs happened where the ref cheated in game four and Talk gave the Cavs it. the ball. <sighs> after, after Derek had tied the game, um, Jimmy messed up on that closeout on LeBron. I don't know what he was doing there. Um, so yeah, yeah, Drew, I hated Jimmy Butler um, in 2015-16 and 2016. So like when all those reports came out about oh Jimmy doesn't respect Derek's work ethic and got him traded. I was rooting against Jimmy so hard. I mean, oh, you want to be the man of the Bulls? All right, let's see if you can do it. Yeah. It was a I weird it. time. It was a weird time. Then he went I, on the and it, it hit and killed me. Yeah. I, mean, I love Jimmy. Like, what a story for him. Kicked out of his house, homeless, went to mm -hmm. Juco, faxed his letter to Marquette from a McDonald's. Like, I love Jimmy Butler. But, bro, I hated him so much. When Derek got traded to New York, because I'm like, you're the reason my favorite player doesn't play for my favorite team anymore. <laughs> and when Derek first came back to New York, or when he came out to Chicago with Joakim Noah, and the Knicks won, and Derek had that ridiculous layup over Jimmy uh, to oh. close out halftime, I was sitting right behind the Bulls bench. So when Jimmy walked back to the locker room, I was cursing the crap out of him. I'm like, yeah, this is when I was just a fan. I wasn't writing. I was talking all types of crap to Jimmy because that's what you get for getting Derek traded from the Bulls. So I hated Jimmy, bro. I hated Jimmy. I started liking Jimmy again when him and Derek reunited in Minnesota because he wasn't being an asshole then. You know what I'm saying? That was a whole that whole thing was weird with it Jimmy sucked, Bush. man. Because he's like and he's telling he's telling them that you know he doesn't think that they can play together, but you guys play two different positions. So I don't 
And then he's like, he's saying, oh, point, playing point guard is easy. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Like, I, I actually thought Joe Cowley was telling Jimmy to say all this stuff. Because we all know Joe Cowley hates Derek, right? And J- Jimmy and Joe Cowley are like this. Like, Jimmy's always feeding him sco- scoops and stuff. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing, Jimmy? Like, Derek bought you a $12,000 watch when you made the All-Star team. Like, he basically matured you when you first came into the league during the lockout year. Like, why are you doing this, bro? Like, this is awful. So I hated Jimmy. I rooted for the Bulls to lose. I rooted for Jimmy to suck. But he was he's really good. Like, like I was like, yeah. damn it, man. Like, when he scored, like, 56 against Toronto, I was so angry. I was like, God, I hate this guy. But um, I started liking Jimmy again in Minnesota. It seemed like him and Derek had kind of put their stuff behind him. Um, and then I was rooting for Jimmy last year in Miami uh, in the finals when he went toe-to-toe with Braun. But, no, Drew, I I hated Jimmy Butler. And there's a lot of Rose fans. Like, jo- Josh, me and Josh follow each other on Twitter. There's a lot of Rose fans who still hate Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah. Because – They'll never forget that he's the dude who got their favorite player traded from the Bulls. So Whatever, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like now that I'm 30, like I'm like, all right, I can forget about it. But I, <laughs> I hated Jimmy, bro. I used to hate Jimmy. <laughs> Unless back here and wins the title, that's that's gonna forever be the case, man. You're always gonna have that faction of fans that just, you know, could care less about Jimmy. Yeah, he's he's just yeah. he's just a t- like. I think he means well, but like he just like. He thinks he's Michael Jordan, but like you haven't done anything, bro. Like you, like, you haven't accomplished anything. Like, like, you know, like winning most improved player, that's great. Five time All Star, that's great. But like nobody cares if you work out at five in the morning, bro. Like I don't care. Like, are you gonna win a chip or not? <laughs> Again, that's that that that's my bias. Like, I don't hate Jim anymore. I promise. I do not hate him anymore. But there's still a little bit of me that's going like, dude, like you're being extra. I, I, I love to hear you with. I, I love to have heard you when you did hate him. Right. Dude, I hated Jimmy so much, and like my friends, were like, why do you hate him so much? Like he didn't get Rose traded. I'm like, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, and so like, man, it, it sucked, man. Like I haven't been a Bulls fan since the Rose trade because they're just so bad. Like. I love Zach Levine. He's so good, man. Yeah. Um, I love Billy Donovan. I love the new management. But, like, when your favorite player is not playing for the team anymore, there's just no excitement. And it it's, sucks, it's man. Rough. Like, yeah. like having, to wa- having to watch Knicks and Timberwolves and Pistons games these last four or five years, it's just been so <laughs> depressing, too. Like, I miss – I miss right, that's not much better than watching the Bulls over the, that same I period. Miss, I miss hearing Stacey King call Derek games, bro. Like, yeah. I miss that. I really miss that so much. So, um, yeah, Jimmy, you and me are cool. Me and Jimmy have never met. Um, I never wanted to interview him because I just didn't care. <laughs> Yo. But, Jimmy, if you're watching this, we're cool now, bro. If you could get Derek to Miami, that would be great. That's another good spot for him. You could start Goran Dragic. We could send Kendrick Nunn, another Simeon guy, to Detroit. Have him have an in- increased role there. But yeah, Jimmy, we're cool now. 
But yeah, yeah, I hated him. I hated him, bro. I hated him. with that. Make a truce now. A sheesh with that across the Blue Island line kind of talk, man. He's that's that that's that west of the metro line talk right there. Yeah, I'm from Burridge, so I'm not gonna act like a tough guy. Oh my bad, bro. I hated him. I hated him more than I hated Braun during the Miami years. Like I just hated this. Every time he talked, like oh, just hated. Oh, I work hard. I don't care. Like, if, if you have to tell somebody how hard you work, like you're insecure. Just shut up and work hard. Like you don't need to keep telling people how hard you work. Like, oh, oh god, fire <laughs> boy. Yeah, you got me. You got me, bro. Like, I hated him. I hated I'm sorry. him. I didn't want to cut that up, man. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Get that out of my system. We got some, we got some tough topics That's on it. So, yeah, get it out your system, man. Let's bring you back. You know bring you back now. What's yeah. that? You didn't know this was going to be therapeutic, man. No, that was good for me. I've never told anybody how I felt about him. Like, my dad knows, obviously, because he'd be like, why are you rooting against the Bulls? I'm like, why do you think? I hate this dude. <laughs> yeah, that felt good. <laughs> Let's bring you back down. We go. We go uh, do a little all star talk before we wrap up. But right. I, I want to get this last thing about Rose. You mentioned a little. You mentioned a little bit about like uh, Hall of Fame. You uh, you know what do you think about his chances at this point? Because I think there was a certain point again where a lot of people were down on him. Where people was right. like, "Oh, it's not gonna happen." Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at some of the you know the credentials. Yeah, youngest MVP and. Right. You know, his stats, you know, may be comparable to quite a few Hall of Famers by the end of things. I think it's I, – I think of a guy like uh, – I'll give you the perfect name? example. Maurice Cheeks. Okay. He averaged like 12 points. Yeah. He got the Hall of Fame. Here's, here's what I say about Diggs Hall of Fame. But Cheeks, can... Cheeks, was, Cheeks was much more – he got into the much more off of his defense and stuff. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. But, like, come on, bro. 12 points, like, <laughs> stop it. Um, but he's a champion, too. He, he, here's what here, – and, of course, I'm biased, so take this whatever you, you want to take it as. But yeah. if you can't talk – if you can't talk about the history of the game without mentioning a player. Okay. So there's two things Derek has going for him. Youngest MVP, then you have the Derek Rose rule. That's in the collective bargaining agreement. That rule has gotten so many players paid. Like, that's historic right there. Like, there's only, like, three players who have a rule named after them. Like, not even LeBron, Jordan, Kareem. Like, come on, man. Like, that, too, in itself should holds a lot of weight. Then you have the statistics, 18 and 6. I think that's what Isaiah Thomas put in his career. Um Three-time All-Star, I think I I don't think he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he'll get in. Um, he might not get in on his first turn, um, because dude, like Chris Webber is not even a Hall of Famer yet, and that's just yeah. that's just that's embarrassing, man. He was definitely a Hall of Fame player. Um, yeah. I think he'll get in. I think that's what I'm telling you, guys. If he has one more playoff run. Where he can just show everybody the fact he's playing for Detroit, man. Like if like if he was on a good team last year and he was putting up those numbers, everybody would be like, "Oh my God, Derek is back! Derek is back!" Because he was putting up 18 points in 20 minutes. Like 
that level of efficiency is incredible, bro. So one more playoff run where you can just average like maybe 2019 or something like that. I think he'll get in easily. Um, but right now it's tough, man. It's very tough right now because he only had four like really good years. And ever since then, it's been kind of, you know, uneven. But I think the Derrick Rose rule and the MVP will hold a lot of weight, in my opinion. That's a good, that's a very good point. And that's something that I like to argue with Hall of Fames. It, you know, they call it the Hall of Fame for a reason. And What's well, the you, basketball it, Hall of Fame, right? So don't yeah, be that's right. It's the basketball Hall of Fame. So you, Memphis, you, you mentioned he won, Memphis uh, he and Simeon. Simeon too. Yeah. yeah, he has two FIBA gold medals. So, I, I mean, unless yeah. the voters just hate him, which it's very possible, I think he'll get in. But hopefully I can we, be we're gonna have a lot of hot. We're going to have a lot of John Hollinger. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Followers. Bro. Voting for the voting for him by the end, probably. <laughs> no, I'm a I, hopefully me and hopefully me and Josh are voters by then, and then we'll just brainwash everybody to vote. <laughs> y'all, yeah, you got to represent. Y'all got to represent the pro Rose voting block. Then. Yeah, like I know Casey Johnson will vote for him because that's that's Rose's sure. guy. I love mm. Casey Johnson. I had lunch with him a few times. He's incredible. Um, I think Mark Stein will vote for him, but there's just some other clowns who might. Hold the trial against him. Um, they might hold his um, comments in twenty. You know what? Last Rose time before we go to All Star. You know what bothers me is how Rose got killed for the load management, load management comments, but not everybody does it. Oh yeah, he definitely yeah. You remember in twenty fourteen, he said, "Oh, I'm waiting so I can walk with my kids at my graduation." Yeah, you didn't want to get over. Kawhi doesn't play that many games. Braun took a vacation in his first season back when he went to Cleveland. Do you guys remember that? He went yeah, to Miami three weeks. weeks. <laughs> but again, nobody, nobody, it's only because of Derek, because the Chicago writers, I mean, let's just be honest. I'm sure some of you watched the documentary. Um, I think mm. Vincent Goodwill talked about it. He was like, all the Chicago writers were white. And so, mm. like, you have a Southside kid who makes it out of the most dangerous city in Chicago. You know, it's it's they needed more minority black riders covering the Bulls during Derek's time. That's just my opinion. Um, I, I I agree with that. I yeah. can agree with and, that. And I'm, I'm glad Vincent. I'm glad Vincent Goodwill said that because he's from Detroit, so he has every reason to hate Derek. But he made a great comment in the, you know, there's the side of Chicago is rooting for the kid. But then you have the the white business guys who're like, "Yo, he's making twenty million a year. Shouldn't he be playing? Well, how is he supposed to play if he's not cleared yet? Oh, but the doctors cleared him to play. But oh, but if he doesn't feel comfortable playing, he shouldn't be like that. That whole ACL drama was just oh man, that was just. I mean, as anybody who's played sports before, like if you're not ready, you're not ready. And how are you supposed to miss the whole season and then play in the playoffs, like? <laughs> How does that make sense? Hey, hey, somebody, somebody right. what, that. what do you what do you really wait? What what do you what he really been worth that playoff scene? That's that was one of the things been, I never understood. Terrible, yeah. terrible. Like Sam Smith said that legendary Bulls writer Sam Smith. He's like, how yeah. do you expect a guy to miss a whole year and then just come straight to the playoffs? Yeah, like see, that's and how and I you know. 
Like, that's how I know if you know the game of basketball or not. Like, if you're just saying, oh, just plug him in, he'll be good. You don't know who's Like, I'm sorry. But it's, 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 it's mad meatheads in Chicago, man. It's like, it, it, and that's city like of haters, bro. City of haters, city of hella haters, like Kanye. It's city of know? haters, man. It's the best city in the world. I love it, but it's the city of haters, bro. Like, just mad hate all around, bro. Right, it can be definitely. It, 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 we, it, we don't live up to a certain storyline or what, and and like, like we 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 purport us. We are a tough city. And we have a lot of tough people here, but not everybody is that tough. And when when you're a sports when you're a sports star and you don't live up to that certain level of toughness, that's yeah, what I think man. a lot of that had to do too. Like they they wanted they wanted him to put, a lot of people wanted Derek to play until his leg fell off. It was like, come on, man, we you know we not asking that of you know the real the real folks ain't asking that about him, man. You you just want to see him sacrifice himself for the Bulls. No, I mean there was a get Bulls your money, fan. Get your money and survive your career. There was a Bulls fan who sued him because he said Rose not playing has made me obese. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. I do kind of remember that. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I'll send you the link, Josh. It's from wow. the season he sat out. Yeah, some fat white dude sued him. Crazy said, you not playing has made me obese. That right there just showed me that white entitlement where you <laughs> owe this to me. Like, bro, I don't owe you anything. That what sounds like the McDonald's hot coffee uh, site. Yeah. <laughs> you owe, you owe me this. Probably, he probably lived up the block from a Portillo's, too. I just said white entitlement right there. Like, yo, you Nikki's. owe me this. You owe me this. Like, talk about, bro. Like, I yeah. I remember the the one thing about it that when I when I kind of started cutting my eyes, one I don't know there was so much Reggie Rose around the whole thing and he yeah was for sure man face around it and that kind of put me off. But then Westbrook got hurt right around the same time and Adrian Peterson had the ACL injury and I know a lot of people were comparing those three because Russ came back uh, sooner. I got a perfect explanation for that. What's your and it was. And and I know that um, Adrian Peterson came back playing a game that has a lot more stress on it. Now I'm not, I'm not a kinesiologist. I'm not a medical professional. But I remember he's like it was it was that comparison that I yeah. think hurt a lot his standing with a lot of other people too. Yeah. So Adrian Peterson won MVP the next year, so yeah. that hurt. The thing with Russ is, um, Russ never tore his ACL, and Russ tore his lateral meniscus. Instead of his medial meniscus, which Derek tore. My parents are doctors. My dad said the medial meniscus is way, way harder to rehab than the lateral meniscus. So, again, my dad's a biased Derek Rose fan, too. <laughs> Keep that in mind. But <laughs> Russ never tore his ACL. But I get the AP thing was even I was a little shocked by that. I was like, damn, how did this? Yeah, that was less than a year, right? Right. That was you come had, back and win the MVP. That wasn't just ACL. I want to say he. Yeah, think he tore all the ligaments in his knee, didn't he? Yeah, all athletes are created equal, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so but yeah, this is great. This is great, man. I appreciate this conversation, man. That's that's main part I want to bring you on is she's you know to talk about Rose and you know mm-hmm. I, let, let's We'll get all get our, our rosary beads out and hope that he, uh, you know, moves on that he can move yeah, on. Everybody, to, please but, pray that he gets to contender. <laughs> but you, you, you say he's he's a free agent this summer, right? You say, yeah, this offseason he's a free agent. Yep. 
So you, you, yeah, so it, you can almost expect that he'll move on to somewhere this coming summer, right? Again, knowing Derek, man, he might just re-sign because him and his wife just built a house in Detroit. So, oh, like Drew said, he might just be like, yo, man, I only yeah, got like two. He'll probably, he'll probably like build a house on the left. east side of Detroit. Let me <laughs> this will be what it's like. Yeah, this is like Inglewood. This is his 13th. 13th. Okay. Yeah, he's just he's just a weird dude, man. Like it's like his fans care about winning more than he does. Like we want to see him on a playoff, too, but he might not care. He might just care about the Adidas money now. And I get it. I mean, he had four knee surgeries, bro. Like that's tough. Like the fifty point game in all honesty, that might have been his championship. Like I know it sucks to say that. You saw how emotional he was. You remember? Like that might have been his championship. Like yo. Yeah. I proved I can hoop again. Like, I'm done. Like, let me just make some more millions and then get out. You know, I would not be surprised if he retires as soon as that Adidas contract runs out. Mm. But it's, well, it's certain perspectives that you gain when you go through things and you and you mature in life. And, right. You know, I think one of the great things that, uh, to, that I see with him, uh, as great as we, him, you know, doing his thing on the court, is seeing him with his children. Oh, yeah, he he really see yeah he really seems really happy when he's with his his baby girl and his boy and you know PJ you know we all grew you know saw him you know starting when he was uh, right. coming with him with the conferences in Chicago like yeah. just to see him have that that sort of satisfaction with his family life you know is it, is really satisfying as well for us I want to hear so, I want to hear yeah, if, uh, if, you know? Josh's favorite deer story he hasn't even talked the whole time bro. <laughs> Man, I'm just listening to all the other stories. But my favorite Derrick Rose moment, because my first time actually seeing him was hey, let's, let's go over, let's go around, Josh. You can start it up. You go around. Yeah. yeah, when I was my first time seeing Derrick Rose was actually the state championship game. The second um, or the the senior year, or junior year. I want to no. I want to say it was a senior. I want to say it was senior year because I think he signed to Memphis by then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I w- and I saw, I was I didn't I didn't stay for the whole championship game per se, but I was, I was at the night before when they played Marshall, mm-hmm. and um, I remember him driving. He did some type of crossover, drove down the lane, posterized some dude, and won. And I was right behind the board, and I was the first thing that painted my mind was like, God damn, who's this nigga? Like, because <laughs> I'm right, I'm young as hell, watching this explosive dude. Right behind the backboard, and he just posted on somebody like quick yeah. as hell. And I'm like, "Geez, like who is this dude?" And then obviously following him through Memphis, where he, where he was, I think college for him was just unfair. He was so far, he was so far ahead of everybody. Couldn't even shoot. But Couldn't he even still shoot. Was the best player. I swear. <laughs> and then obviously going to the pros and doing what he did in the pros. I think I'll always remember Derek as the transformation guy of of the point guard because yeah. if D Rose stayed healthy, there was nobody in history or even in the league that was as fast, as quick, as strong and growing efficient as someone as the face of a franchise in that point guard position. People talk about how Russell Westbrook is a super great guy. D Rose was the original guy before Russell Westbrook took that, took that at least somewhat of that mantle. And even D Rose's game at that time just doesn't even compare because of his acceleration. His skill set was so unique. Older game too. Older game, everything. Like he was literally the that point guard that was the, that would change the game prior to other guys like Stephen Curry and the game changed overall. But 
just, I think the favorite moment for me, when you were talking about the overall in general, was when he when he made that bank shot against Cleveland. Oh man, and that was me, great. That was great, and it was because for me, like it was like the comeback story for me. Like yeah. he was coming off those injuries. Obviously, he had, he had Jimmy Butler that was on the rise, but it was still Derrick Rose's team. And people obviously questioned in that moment in time, like, okay, he's playing against LeBron and Kyrie, the greatest of the greats. Does he still have it in the tank to at least give the Bulls a competitive edge? Right. And for him to make those jump shots that he did, man. I think he played good in that series. He averaged yeah. like 23 yeah. or something. Yeah, he played very well. I, I, to be honest with you, he played pretty good in his entire Bulls career until they traded him. Um, but I think that moment really solidified, like, okay, he still got the game. He still yeah. – that guy and people really need to put more respect on this name, especially during that time period where he was really trying, just struggling, trying to stay healthy. And he yeah. gave everything that he could to take that mantle mm-hmm. to the next level um, in that Bulls jersey before it was, you know, it's officially time for him to move on. Yeah, before everybody else goes, I actually think that eye injury was more devastating than the knee injuries. And like, I know that doesn't make sense. I mean, knee injuries are so much worse, but. He was playing so well in that playoff series, right? Then he had that eye injury, and then he looked washed when he was playing with that mask on. He had like four points, two points. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. But if you remember the documentary, he said his brother didn't want him to play, but he said, I have to play because they're going to kill me in the media for not playing. How are you supposed to play with one eye? (laughs) If he never... If he, I love Taj Gibson, but come on, Taj, why the heck did you have to elbow him? Like, oh. one of my friends was like, "Did did Jimmy Butler pay Taj to elbow him?" That's tough, man. I it was dirty Jimmy, work. Jimmy, I hated Jimmy so much. But go ahead, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Let me. Drew, um, yeah, Drew, uh, Chris, you want to go? Go ahead. Drew. I got to throw mine in here because I got to jump off. Um, it's crazy because I remember specifically I was at um, they had like a, a, a Dave and Buster's knockoff down in Peoria and I was watching the a Boston game. I think it was 2012, maybe. No, because Rose was out then. It, it wasn't it might have been 2011. It might have been the 2010, 2011 season. But he went in for a layup against uh, Garnett and Pierce and turned oh to 180 in there. You know what I'm and just flipped it up, like, off the backboard, soft as you can. And it's one of those plays where you say it's like if you go outside on the playground with nobody around and you try it, like, ten times, you might miss it ten out of ten times just trying to do the same thing. Incredible layup, dude. Oh, my God. And that's not the best one. That's not my favorite one. Um, (laughs) The the play (laughs) earlier in that season where they lost to the Knicks, it's wild that they lost that game. But Rose is on the left side of the key. I was at this game. Tony Douglas is guarding him, and everybody clear. They cleared the side out, and it was the first time I think I remember watching a game and being like, something horrible is about to happen to this dude. Dude. And he just accelerates past Douglas. Um, Danilo Gallinari comes up for the help defense, and Rose just elevates and float. He floated. He floated past him (laughs) like a soap bubble in the air, and just yammed it. And that's not the best one. The the dunk over the dunk over Joel Anthony in Game Four. Oh, oh gosh! When he Ooh. just when he 
crossed over and then went and looked like is he gonna and he's like how is it because Joel Anthony was blocking everything that that playoffs uh, run that Miami had going up man and he just jammed on him <laughs> and that's not my favorite moment my favorite <laughs> my favorite Derrick Rose moment um, I was at all these Peoria moments because during the prime I was still down in Peoria I was at um, a place called the Field House across the street from Bradley. Mm-hmm. Uh, a saxophone teacher was there. Uh, Steve Heineman, shout out Steve Heineman. He's one of my favorite guys ever. Brilliant clarinet saxophone player. And he's just holding like a Coors Light. And we're watching this game against Milwaukee. It's coming down to the wire. Oh, and we both have black jerseys on. And Brandon, Brandon Jennings. <laughs> who was Rest trying in to peace, Brandon name, Jennings. Mm, trying to okay. Is got Rose one on one on the right side and Delphine. They got Luol Deng and Luol Deng. Let's not forget what Luol Deng did. They leave him alone on the left side just to like double Rose in zone. And Delfino's out there with his arms out like this. And Rose probes twice, twice, cut in, step back, just like just inside the arc and nothing. And there was a guy in the crowd that they cut to. A dude who like kind of a narrow face, balding dude who's just like sitting there like shaking his head like he knew. That's when you that's when you see the moment unfolding before you and you know what's going to happen, but you're 300 feet away and you can't stop it. He knew he knew Rose was going to drain that jump shot, beat the Bucks, win that game. And so Rose doing the, the chest pound, that wasn't my favorite part. Scal coming off the bench with his finger up, that wasn't my favorite part. My favorite Stacey part, and I wrote about this. It wasn't even that. Like, Stacy, it wasn't even Neil saying, oh, my God, it's over with that disbelief. It was literally that dude in the crowd who was just like, <laughs> he knew it. He, he knew it. It was, it was that moment where it was just like, I saw Candace Parker with the sky, and she hadn't scored all game until the fourth quarter. And there was a, a moment where she took the ball on the left side of the block and just faced the basket. And immediately I knew she was going to score. Mm-hmm. You just knew it. Like no matter what she did, if she hit the jump shot, if she posted up, she was going to score because she had to look. Rose got that ball and he had to look. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter what his percentage was the whole game. And that dude in the crowd knew it and we all knew it. But it was so sweet watching that air go, watching the ball go through the air because, you know, you don't quite know, but you know. Yeah, that's man. my favorite Rose moment. I'll never that's forgive that feeling I'll never of forgive the basketball doom. gods, man. You should not have gotten hurt. I feel for y'all. I feel oh, you got to go now, Chris. Yeah, I got to jump off, y'all. It's, uh, she's, she's been fantastic, man. See you, man. Nice meeting you. All right, man. We'll see you next week, Chris. All right, Chris. But uh, that I'll just say that feeling of impending doom. I feel for y'all who didn't really get to see Mike in this prime man. because that's that feeling that Chris describes of being able to see something ahead of time and not being able to stop it. That's what Mike did to so many teams. And, and we got to see that in so many regular season games and play and, you know, playoff game, not deciding games and not even the the games that you remember, but just the regular games where, okay, it's time, it's, it's time to turn up. It's time to finish, finish this team. You know, uh, we 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 got we got something to do. We got to head out on rush. Trip, man. <laughs> you know, we got some business, man. We 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 ain't, we ain't we, there's no overtime here. There's no there's no seventh game here. That's that's what Mike was like so many times. And you know, like Rose 
he he was the only Bulls player that provided those sort of feelings since Mike. And uh that's how special he was, man. I say I say right quick, my moment with him was a game winner, the Christmas game winner over LA mm-hmm. in uh 2011. Like it started out the MVP season and stuff. He was he was in the, he was feeling himself. He was like, why not me? It's gonna be me. And he he proved from that first game on that it was gonna be him. And you know, you juxtapose that with the way that that season ended. You know, you don't you don't want to think about that um even really, but the yeah. way that that began, that was such a special season. I thought we were gonna win the championship too. that year. We we probably would have. And but he was ready. He was ready, and he proved it. He did it over Kobe and the Lakers in that game. Mm-hmm. And I was I was at I was at a Christmas party, you know, regular Christmas party with my family, and we you know you had the shorties up in there, like oh they they was all about Kobe and stuff at that point. I was like, look, we we got something here in Chicago, man. Don't don't forget it. That it was one particular annoying one. Like he was like, oh, he's just about Kobe, just about Kobe and the Lakers. Then Rose came through on her. I was like, yeah, see, boy, that's what you get from me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, a, that was a satisfying feeling there. But, Drew, you got one right quick? Yeah, just, um, you know, sympathetic guy, man, sentimental guy. That, that Just a 50-point game, man, like, to go through everything that he's been through. She's just kind of laid it out for us uh, during this stream, man. To keep fighting, to keep pushing through, uh, to have that mental toughness to continue to go through these rehabs, to go from team to team, to endure all the mudslinging, you know, that's 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 been on your name, and to deliver a fifty-point game in Minnesota, your highest your highest total ever, like against the team that cut you, exactly, like, yeah. and then and and then just the response of the crowd to him, you know that. And his in 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 turn his response to that like all of that is just it's 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 the makings of like the best movie ending ever man even and, and she said it's, it's it's it probably did feel like a championship to him man to to be able to persevere to make it back to that point um, it's just some something truly special man and I'll never forget that this and if you ask me the same question tomorrow I might have a different memory for you but that's where that's that's where I'm today. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's good to you know we talk about giving people their flowers while they're still here. I think you know for all the 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 challenges that he's had and the setbacks, I think he know he's he's had some moments where he's known that where he's that he is really appreciated around the league and and definitely he's he's returned to Chicago a couple times and he's gotten a lot of love here. He knows he's appreciated here by the majority of folks. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I was there. I was there, man. <laughs> that was bad. He yeah, was that was rough. Booed. That was rough. He was getting booed. There was people behind me saying, a quitter. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then and then he comes back the last two times, MVP, standing ovation. Well, what happened to the quitter talk? <laughs> <laughs> That's another see, thing. Those, those, be those, front, those be those front runners again, you know. When they see a guy doing well, then they want to act like they was with him all the whole time. But you know, yeah, I don't. You know. I won't ever forget those. Uh, that first game, man. That was. I was like, the whole crowd was booing him. I was like, damn, dude, this is. This ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but yeah, we 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 gave we gave D Rose his flowers here, man. We appreciate. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate. Uh, you, you, yeah, yeah, we appreciate you get you know helping us with that, Ashish, man, and you know definitely look forward to bringing you back on the show. I was gonna get into some all star stuff real quick, but uh, we just yeah, say it right quick. Hmm. Yeah, you can get to it. Oh no, yeah, yeah, we ain't, we ain't gonna spend too much long on it, but I know the the. The initial uh, first fan voting have have returned, uh, and uh, you know, looking at the East, you know, look at the Bulls where they where they sit. You know, you mentioned uh, Derrick Rose being eighth in the guards. You know, Zach Levine is fifth in the guards uh, voting, uh, just under five hundred thousand. He's got Jalen Brown, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Bradley Beal above him. It's gonna be tough. You, you look. Right up, right below Zach too. You got Trey Young is right behind him. He's a very popular player, and of course Rose and, and Westbrook is ninth. Ben Simmons is tenth. Like it's you know I I, I wonder like oh you know which uh, Drew just wrote a piece. You can see it on our new uh, our new Substack. Uh, we give a, give our first uh, plug for that. War Ready is the is our Substack. You can see a lot of uh, new writings for us on there. Uh, we still got the website, weareregalradio.com, but we're going to try to do a lot more, uh, you know, instant reaction type stuff and everything and do some more off-the-cuff type writings on our Substack site. So that's War Ready, W-A-R-R Ready on Substack, if you uh, you know follow us there. But uh, Drew got a piece up now talking about the All-Star game uh, and um, how – you know, we should or should not. We spoke about it last week of she's, you know, we sort of was like, I don't know about having this game pop off and everything. It could be a little risky, you know, uh, may not be worth it. And, um, but, you know, you do have players who potential first time players like a Zach Levine, who, you know, could have the chance to play. I saw a video uh, on ESPN today. Uh, they was speaking to De'Aaron Fox. He may be another first timer who may get uh, put in this year. And, but he was like, I don't know, you know, about, you know, uh, going to that game. You know, he he, he didn't sound too uh, too happy about it, the potential yeah. of having to go to that game. But, um, you know, whatever they, I, 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 whatever they do, I guess you figure they're going to be careful about it. But I don't know if I would – I'm still on the side of it not really being worth it. But um, – They agreed this one to happen. Yeah. They yeah. should do they they should do what the NFL did just have the all stars or pro ballers you know just have it on their resume but don't play the game and they can all play a two K yeah. tournament or something. If we're being a real man, no player actually cares about playing the game. They just care about having all star <laughs> on their resume. right. Unless you have that title, it. yeah. So they should not have the game. It's really stupid. Um, I completely agree with you guys. Um, Man, you know, money talks. So that's all they that's all they really care about. You know what's ironic is they canceled the season last year after one player got COVID, Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. How many players have gotten COVID this year and the season's still going on? Definitely. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different thing money. now. Yeah, man. Yeah, can't. But yeah, for my yeah, so. all stars, uh, I'd probably go in the East, yeah, Kyrie, right now? Kyrie, Bradley Beal, KD, Giannis, and Joel Embiid in the East. 
And then in the West, I'd probably go Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic. Okay. Do you think Zach's earned a spot? I think he's earned a spot. Um, but as a reserve, I mean, how many reserves are there? Five or eight? Is it eight? Eight reserves? So mm. let's see. Reserves in the East are going to get Trey Young. Uh, Chris Middleton might be in there. Jimmy uh, Jimmy might not get it because he's missed a lot of games because of COVID. Um, Bam, I we look at yeah. Bam, you Chris got look at some Bam. of the leading voters in the front court. You got uh, Jason Tatum, number four. Like oh the, yeah, the Jason we, Tatum. The, yeah, Jalen Brown's playing really well. Zach's gonna have a hard time getting, and he might have to if they have the game, or if they do like what we said, just put the All Star. He's gonna have to have like he's gonna have to go on like a Bradley Beal streak where he has like thirty points in like eight straight games or something. And it, you got to win too, though. That's the problem. Like. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I kept Bradley Beal out of who I would put in that starting that starting group. I think winning should count for something. I don't have Doncic in the in the starting five either. Like I think Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell should be in there. Um, I almost threw Malcolm Brogdon in there, but I think Kyrie just is putting up crazy. Oh, yeah, numbers. Kyrie is a magician. Winning, so I got to throw him in there as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think yeah, you know, winning winning should definitely play a part. I mean, because, like, like I said, the empty stats thing. But Bradley Beal is just – I mean, dude, he's doing things he's, Michael Jordan was doing. Like, it's just incredible what he's doing. And shout-out to Luca. I love you, bro, but I'm happy you're not winning MVP this year. Because if he had won, he would have broken Derek's record. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Shout-out to They were Luka, really man. trying to push that at the beginning of the year. Of course, year, right? man. Of course they did. Yeah. What do you think? Shout out to Luca. You're a big fan, bro, but you're not winning MVP this year. <laughs> you got it next year. No, no. You got it next year, bro. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Somebody yeah. asked uh, who's the most like overrated or overhyped player in the NBA. And my first thought went to Luca. No shade. Like Luca's nice, but just the media coverage, right? Yeah. 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 That's what mm -hmm. overrated is. It's not the players bad, it's how the media just puts them on a pedestal. They haven't done anything yet, so Sir. like uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, Jimmy. I'm joking, man. Man, you do oh, like Paul Pierce in the club, man. It's several stab wounds, man. <laughs> right. I'm joking, man. All He's like each of the hey man three on them right now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Josh, you got any thoughts on the All Stars right there? Yeah, man. yeah. I mean. If I had to choose right now, I would probably go Kyrie and Bradley Beal to go with Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel on the East. In the West, I probably would go D-Lil and Steph, and then Ooh. LeBron, uh, Nicola, and Kawhi. That's probably yeah, all. Are they doing I, East respect this year, or is it like – Team LeBron versus Team Giannis, or whatever the case may be. That's a good question. I, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't really said okay. uh, if they're gonna do the captains and the picking and all that. I guess they probably will with if they're gonna have the game. So right. And the it's leading voters as of yeah. now, leading voters as of now are 
Brian and Durant. So putting Durant in that position is going to be interesting to, to be picking. It's the, two best you know the last the world, couple man. years been Giannis, but yeah, Durant Durant gonna be he, he gonna be uh me mugging like a mug through that whole uh, process, <laughs> putting them on TNT and stuff. Oh God, that's gonna be awkward. That's gonna be very yeah, awkward. it's gonna be very awkward. <laughs> that's that's Charles Barkley's fault though. Like you just talk too much. Shaq's getting on that end too a little bit, just a tad bit. Oh, Shaq too. Shaq, Shaq I don't know why Shaq, Shaq is so inse- like insecure for being the most dominant player ever. Like why, bro? Like <laughs> why? He's yeah. He's really been on one the past couple of weeks. I get the I get that because. He's probably jealous he got all that money for being in you know, 12 points. But, like, the Donovan Mitchell thing from a couple weeks ago, like, that was just so awkward. Like, why? Like, I don't know why these old guys hate the younger generation. So we should be proud of, you know, that they're putting the game unnoticed. But, yeah, I'm, Shaq is – I love Shaq, but he's really starting to lose, lose me a little bit. He just sounds like a hater, to be honest with you. But you, you didn't you didn't think because some people said that some people who who have you know who have interacted with hoopers and have been hoopers themselves said that he was just sort of leading him in a way he was just he was sort of gauging an, an answer from him in a way with that you don't think he was doing that like motivating him to be better to at least speak of himself in a certain way. Yeah. yeah, I guess it just made it awkward because of how Donovan reacted. You know, he was just like, "I, right. that's it. And, it, <laughs> and it, it, it was just awkward because, you know, like Shaq has said so many bad things about Rudy and, and Donovan's his teammates. So um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just been weird to watch Charles and Shaq just hate on so many young players um, when they were, I mean, to their Hall of Famers, like just appreciate. A- after Kobe passed away, like I've just started to just stop hating. Like just give everybody their flowers. That's, that's a good point. That's a good like, point. I, I, I've I, I've hated LeBron for so many years, but I can't do it anymore because like we're never gonna see anybody like him ever again. I mean, he's the only right. player in NBA history to rank top ten all time in points and assists. Like that's incredible. Like Jordan will always be my goat, but like just because I'm a Jordan fan doesn't mean I have to hate LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like you can appreciate both of those guys. So yeah, rest in peace, Kobe. After Kobe passed, I just stopped hating because like you just never tomorrow's not promised. So I just want to appreciate all these legends, you know, while we can because especially LeBron and KD, like you're never gonna see those those two guys ever again. Like people say, Ben Simmons will be the next LeBron. No, he won't. Can't even shoot. Um, <laughs> like Brandon Ingram, he's got a similar game to KD, but he's not gonna win Finals MVP and you know shoot from half court. Like so, I just appreciate um, all the legends because I just love basketball. Like we're not gonna see this ever again. So right. stop hating, man. <laughs> that's that's good one to go out on. Pre- that's a good sentiment there to go out on the Chiefs, baby. Stop hating and let's let's appreciate these guys while we while we here. Cause that was the big thing with Kobe. Like Kobe, yeah. I, you know, there was no reason to think that Kobe would leave us this early. And 
you know, we you never know what's gonna happen in, you know, tomorrow, you know, who who may be, you know, that's something we've learned in general this year, man, this past year. Like you never know. So, you know, yeah, let's appreciate these these great athletes and these great men while they're here and stuff. You know, stop hating, man. That's for real. But yeah, let's 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 we're gonna wrap it up here, man. Appreciate you guys. Definitely gonna give you your flowers while you're here. <laughs> another great show, another great runner with war. Sheesh, man. We'll definitely have you back uh down the line, man. You you brought that fire today, man. We definitely appreciate you. <laughs> and uh <laughs> sportscasting.com, right? That's where you can yeah. see your work. And uh anything else you want to plug right quick? Oh man, that's it. Just a uh, big fan of your guys' website. Uh when I was at Clutch Points, I aggregated Josh's story with Kobe. And we've just yeah. kind of connected through there. It's always great to connect with Chicago. Me and Kyle met at 670 the score with Scoop. Hopefully, whenever yeah. COVID ends, me and Drew can meet up. But That's yeah, man, keep doing you all day. And if you ever need anything, just let me know. Definitely. definitely. Appreciate definitely, you, bro. Man. Appreciate you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. yeah. Yeah, guys, uh, y'all got anything uh, before we head out? Stay live and keep balling, like you said, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stay there, stay, stay alive, stay black. Keep keep bouncing, man. That's what we're gonna do. Man. We are regalradio.com. Uh war ready on Substack. Uh we uh war on anchor podcast uh version. If you missed any of this show here on YouTube, you uh, you'll get the podcast version soon. And of course, uh follow all our other stuff, uh shows on uh on YouTube and everything. That we're doing. Uh, definitely appreciate uh, all you guys who are following us and watching us and uh, showing us love and uh, giving us responses and everything. You know, uh, appreciate the constructive criticism. Appreciate the love. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. For now, we'll be back next Thursday with another uh, action-packed episode of, of Running with War. And uh, yeah, until then, keep bouncing, y'all. <laughs>